just waiting for me to get there. We're so grateful to God for all of those who are here today and, and for you coming to share with us as we worship together in spirit and in truth. As Brother Mary pointed out, yesterday was a good day. That's what it's all about. Yes. Building greater relationships, having fun together, and, and then you got a chance to meet Brother Jesus. <laughs> but we just thank all of those who participated, and especially those who were not members of Gray Road who came in to get a taste of what Gray Road is all about. We cannot allow ourselves to lose focus on what this program is about. It's really not about Gray Road feeding ourselves. It's about getting people from the community and who are not members of Gray Road to come in to see what we're all about. That's what it's all about. So we, we don't want to lose that focus, uh, but we want you to uh, get in the mindset that when we have things like this, you gotta invite people. You gotta invite people. Did I say you gotta invite people? You gotta invite people. All right, just don't take this opportunity. I'm gonna go see what they're gonna have to eat. Nothing, okay? It's not about you coming out and sitting down and feeding you, no, it's about you get, cause the real focus is on the programs that we're offering, the programs that we're offering and all the things we do to get a taste of what Gray Road is about, not a taste of what Roy Woe cooks. Amen, Brother Rose, that show is right, okay. We want to invite your attention to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. The chapter is 16, beginning with verse number 25. The Acts of the Apostles, the chapter is 16 and beginning with verse 25. you have your Bibles, I invite you to follow me as I read. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keepers of the prison, awakening up, the keeper of the prison, wake, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. 
But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul in silence. Brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. I want to focus your attention on verses 30 and 31. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and thy house. The, the subject today is, what must I believe to be saved? What must I believe to be saved? The spreading of the gospel in the first century was phenomenal. In fact, Paul stated that the gospel had reached to all the then known world. The word of God had thousands of men and women turning from all kinds of lives to embrace Jesus Christ. From the heathen who claimed no particular religion, to the Jews and those who worshipped uh, the idols of the Greeks, even those who worshipped an unknown God, all turned their affections to Jesus Christ. One would wonder how is it that the movement that uh, started out with just 12 men could spread so far and so fast? The answer for me is clear. One is they believed wholeheartedly in what they found and wanted everybody else to share it. And secondly, they shared the word with an urgency of the imminent coming of our Lord. And I think that's the part of our evangelistic effort that is missing. We don't share it with urgency. Uh, you see, that, that Jesus is coming. And he's going to take vengeance on all of those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those of us who have obeyed it, we need to have an urgency about spreading that message so that more men and women can be saved. Is it urgent for you that your family members are saved? Is it urgent that your friends are saved? Is it urgent for your co-workers? See, when we lose the urgency, we get very comfortable. And we sit back and we say, oh, well, we'll get around to it someday. But if we're going to make a difference and we're going to make an impact in the world that we live in, we must have that urgency about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, on the occasion of our text, 
Paul, having received what we refer to as the Macedonian call, went into Europe with the gospel. Entering into the city of Philippi, he found women worshiping at the riverside. The apostle took the message of the gospel there, and Lydia became the first con convert on European soil. While in Philippi, Paul was confronted with a unique situation. A young woman possessed of a demon who was able to tell fortunes and all of those uh, mystic things followed the apostle proclaiming that he was from the Most High God. While the proclamation was true, Paul needed to be careful as to whom his name was associated with. And I wish all of us would get that, that lesson. You just can't let your name be associated with just anybody and anything. While Paul, while the message he was proclaiming was true, Paul did not want him and his message associated with a demon-possessed individual. So what Paul did, Paul called the demon out, rid this individual of the demon. Now once the demon was gone, then she could no longer tell the fortune. She could no longer do all of those things that brought her masters a lot of money. And when they were hit in the pocketbook, they were very angry with Paul. They had him arrested. And Paul is now in jail with Silas. And the Bible says, while locked in jail, Paul and Silas sang and prayed. You know, James says, if there's any Mary, let him sing. And then it says, if any is afflicted, let him pray. Folk who not married don't want to sing. Amen. But if you're married, you got to sing. And if you're afflicted, you need to pray. Now, Paul and Silas was married and afflicted. They were afflicted by the fact that they had been imprisoned, but they were married because of why? They were, they were glad to suffer for the cause of Christ. As they were singing, they were praying, God shook the jail. I mean, he shook his soul to the doors flew open, and the Bible says everybody's band fell off. Everybody. Now, the jailer was sleeping. And let me tell you something about Roman soldiers. They were not supposed to go to sleep on duty. And if they did and somebody escaped, whatever that escaped prisoner's sentence was, they had to serve it. And since all the doors were open, 
and all the bands were loose. Somebody had been, been under death penalty because his first inclination was, I might as well kill myself because they're going to kill me anyway. He drew his sword and would have killed himself. But Paul said, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. No, no, we haven't gone anywhere. We're all here. And that's, a, that's another sermon. Do thyself no harm. And you'll get that one one day. In response to Paul and Silas, the jailer got a light, came in and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The topic here is, what must I believe? What is it about Jesus Christ that I need to know and believe? It is no secret that Jesus is the center of our faith. Both inspired and secular history testifies of his life and death. And that he has a great influence on our world. Whether individuals are Christians or not, they must in some way acknowledge the life of Jesus Christ. Every question about salvation is answered with Jesus. The church today must be very careful that we don't replace Jesus as the remedy for sin. The church is not the remedy for sin. Jesus is the remedy for sin. So then we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, what? What do we need to believe? Those of you who are taking notes, first of all, we must believe in his office. By office, I mean we must believe in the work that he came to accomplish. And that work resulted in the saving of our souls. Jesus is the Christ. From the time that sin entered into the world, God promised us a remedy. The Lord promised that someone would come to rid us of the blight of sin, and Jesus is that one. He is that individual. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, the apostles of John came to Jesus and said, Are you the Christ? Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus did not give a straight answer. He began to do some things. The Bible says, you tell John. Uh, you tell John to, 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 to look for these things, that the blind are receiving their sight. The lame are walking. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf are hearing. The dead are being raised. And the poor are having good news preached to them. Tell John what you saw me do. 
Listen, church, if we want to really convert the world, they need to see our faith in action. We just can't tell them what we believe. We can't just, just tell them, I believe. Our faith must be in action. Jesus could have said, yes, tell John that I am the Christ. But no, he wanted John to know that the work of the Christ is being done. We need to believe in Jesus as the Christ. In the book of John, chapter 6, in verse 66, the Bible says, from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Peter spoke up and said, to, Lord, to whom shall we go? Only thou hast the words of eternal life. And we are sure that thou art that Christ. We have to believe that Jesus indeed is that Christ. He is that anointed one. He is that prophet that God promised to send. He is everything that God has sent for our redemption. That's what I mean when I say we must believe in his office. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses talked about a prophet that God would raise up. And in Acts chapter 7, as Stephen was preaching, he indicated that Jesus is that prophet. But not only is he prophet, but he's also our high priest. He's our high priest. The work of the priest was to lead the people in their worship to God. The high priest was the one who was supposed to make atonement for the people. Every year, the high priest would enter into the most holy place and in the presence of God, sprinkle blood on that sac of that sacrificial lamb uh, on the mercy seat. Now, I want you to know that Jesus' office as high priest is a little bit different. Not only did he offer the sacrifice, he became the sacrifice. Instead of offering the blood of a sheep or a goat, he offered his own blood that we might be saved. So as we think about his office, Jesus is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our Deliverer. Jesus Christ is indeed the one that God sent to save us from our sins. But not only should we believe in his office, we've got to believe in his person. By person, I mean his divine nature. We must believe that not only is he the Christ, but he's also the son of the living God. 
Today we are faced with a strange dilemma. The fastest growing religion on American soil today is Islam. The foundation of this religion teaches that Jesus was a prophet of Allah. They teach that his writings must be obeyed. They also teach that Mohammed was a greater prophet than Jesus and that his writings are greater than the Lord's and more authoritative. John's gospel was written to create faith in Jesus as the Son of God. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, the Bible says, And many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing, you might have life through his name. It's just not enough to believe that he's the Christ. You've got to believe that he is the Son of God. John also indicated faith in Jesus as the Son of God brings life. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, the Bible says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Listen, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. You must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13, the Bible says that when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say I the Son of Man am? He said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say that thou art Elias. Some say that thou art Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. There are people who wanted to make Jesus on equal footing with John the Baptist, Jeremiah, or Elijah. However, their, 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 their belief or their faith was not right. So he said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So when you ask the question, what must I believe? To be saved, you got to believe that Jesus is the Christ. You got to believe that He is the Son of God. Thirdly, you got to believe in His death, burial, and resurrection. You got to believe that He not only died, but He got up. There are a lot of folk who want to tell you He died. But you've got to believe also in the resurrection. These facts are foundational uh, of, to the gospel message. Without these facts, our salvation is lost. It is lost because the death, 
burial, and resurrection was for our sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I received, or I delivered unto you first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he wrote that he was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. You've got to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. After Paul and Silas told the jailer that he had to place his faith in Christ, and I, and I want you to know that he is not just saying, all you got to do is believe in Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to caution you there because faith has to work. Faith has to bear fruit. If it doesn't bear fruit, according to James chapter 2, it's dead. Faith without works is dead being alone. There are two things to consider at this point. When he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he is saying, you got to believe on Jesus as opposed to what you've been believing in. See, the Romans like the Egyptians, had several deities. And one of them was the emperor. And the idea was, if you want to be saved, you got to switch, shift your allegiance, shift your trust, shift your faith from the, all of the gods you used to believe in and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to ask ourselves the question every, every once in a while, what is it that I believe in more than Jesus Christ? Because if I'm going to have faith in Jesus Christ, I must allow my faith to bear fruit. Someone asked me the other day, can a person believe in God with all his heart and then go to heaven? The answer to that question is, if your faith is bearing fruit, yeah. But if your faith bears no fruit, then you have no faith. Once again, there are three, three things that faith includes. Number one, accepting the facts. You've got to accept the facts. And when we talk about the facts about the gospel, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And like I said, these things that we need to believe, we believe in the office, the person of Jesus, the fact that he died, buried, and resurrected. You've got to accept the facts. And then to the next element of faith is trust. Do you trust or put your confidence in the facts? 
And thirdly, you got to obey. You cannot say, I believe in Jesus Christ, put my confidence in him, and then won't do anything he says. He says in Matthew chapter 7, why call you me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I say? So the real issue here is, if we're going to have faith in Christ, then we're going to have to do what he says. The Bible says that they talk about other things. If you, if you read that passage, uh, they spoke unto him the words of the Lord. You see, when you accept Jesus, you say, well, I believe uh, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and you're baptized, your learning is just starting. Because Christianity is not just about you going to church. Christianity is a way of life. And, and here, here's, here, here's where we stumble and fall. We like the church activity stuff. Well, uh, we like the taste of Brody Road. We like all of those things, all of those activities we do, especially when there's food involved. But when you leave this place and when you get ready to make choices in your life, do you allow the Lord to lead you and guide you? That's what Christianity is all about. It tells you how to be a good man, a good woman, a good husband, a good wife. And we resist with all of our hearts all of those things that the Bible teaches us about our behavior, our attitudes, where we go, when we go, how to dress, all of those things. We resist that. And I'm telling you that is reflective about your faith. When the Bible says, husbands, you love your wives. And the pattern for you is Christ. Love them like Christ loves church. Not like your uncle. When the Bible says, wives, be submissive to your own husband. We stumble when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, the man smite thee on one cheek, turn to him the other also. We say, wait a minute. And we try to say, the Bible really don't mean that. The Bible don't say, you got to stand there and just turn the other cheek. Listen, you got to understand what Jesus was teaching. Violence begets violence. And sometimes you gotta just take it. The 
You say, oh, I don't know if I can do that, Brother Rose. That's, that's, I'm still growing. I said, you've been growing for 30 years. Baby. <laughs> At some point, you're supposed to grow up. The idea is, if you're going to claim faith in Jesus Christ, it mu- your faith must bear fruit. You can wave your hand and sway all day long, oh, and have a good time in church, but Christianity is about how you live. When is that attitude going to change? When is your behavior going to get better? How long is it going to take? One of the problems is you won't do what the Lord designed. You won't take advantage of what the Lord designed to help you get better. So here we go again. What did the Lord design? When the Lord saved you, what did he do first? Put you in the church. He didn't put you in the church just so you can have friends around you. There's a point to it all. He put you in the church so that, number one, you can get taught. But if you won't come to get taught, you're resisting the help that God has provided for you. And then, too, if you won't even come to church, you're resisting the godly influence that God is trying to put around you. It's about trying to perfect you. Trying to complete you. Trying to help you grow and get rid of all of those things that have ruined your life. Sometimes it will just admit it. It will just admit it. We messed up our life. We, 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 we did that. Now God says, that's all right, you messed up, that's all right, I, I got a remedy for you. I got some help for you. But if you want me to help you, You cannot keep doing what you've been doing. You cannot keep going down that path. You've got to change. So we can talk talk all day about our faith, but if our faith is not bearing fruit, then we need to start again. Do you really believe that Jesus is the Christ? I want to tell you, when you say he's the Christ, the Son of God, you're you're acknowledging his authority over your life. That he has the right and the power to demand your obedience. See, there's so many of us have authority issues. We we have authority issues in our home, on our job, in every area of our life. We have authority issues. 
that some people will not submit themselves to authority. But if you don't submit yourself to the authority of God, you are not going to live with him in eternity. But here's the real thing. If you don't submit yourself to the authority of God, or let me re rephrase it. If you submit yourself to the authority of God, then you will also submit yourself to every authority that he places you under. What must I believe to be saved? I've got to believe that Jesus is the Christ. I've got to believe that he is the Son of God. I've got to believe that in his death, burial, and resurrection. But my faith must bear fruit. When this jailer heard what the apostles taught, the Bible says that he went out in that same hour of the night. He was baptized. He didn't let any grass grow under his feet. He said, the same hour of the night. And that's why I try to tell people, uh, here at Gray Road in the Church of Christ, we don't care what hour of the night it is. If you're ready to, to, to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will get up out of our beds in the middle of the night and come and baptize you. And we'll do it without complaining. Because that's why we are here. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you have a great opportunity set before you today to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe in his office, to believe in his person, to believe in this death, burial, and resurrection. And now you have opportunity to show that your faith is growing fruit. If you're not a Christian, you can be one today simply after hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing it with all of your heart, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ and being baptized to have all of your sins washed away. And the Lord will add you to his church. And as a member of his church, you are endowed with all the rights and privileges of being a child of God. But as a member of the church, you have to work on bearing fruit for the Lord. You got to be cultivated. You got to be cultivated. And that's what, that's what happens as a member of his church. You're here and you're a member of the body, but your faith has not been bearing much fruit. In John chapter 15, here's what Jesus said. He says, I'm the vine, and ye are the branches. Every branch that abides in me bears fruit. But if you don't bear fruit, you'll be cut off. And I hate to be cut off. The passage is about our relationship to him. It says, as long as you maintain that strong relationship with God, you will bear fruit. Yes. Not maybe or might, you will. Yes. 
But if you don't maintain that relationship with God, you will be cut off. When you hear it, you need to respond to the invitation. The time to do that is right now while we stand and while we sing.